Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, all right, all right. Good morning again. One Life Church, it's so good to have you with us. My name is Red. I'm the lead pastor if you're just joining us right now. Hey, can we do this before we get started? Can we put our hands together for our online church podcast family right now? Let them know how much you love them and miss Yeah, if you're, on, if you're online joining us right now listening, we want you to know how much we love you, how much we miss you. We can't wait to see you soon. You are our family. All right, you guys, we're in a series calling Choose Joy. But before we jump into that, I just want to remind you of one thing. We're in a season right now we're calling 21 Days of Prayer. 21 Days of Prayer. What is 21 Days of Prayer? It's an opportunity that we take two times a year as a church to gather together to pray, to seek God. You know, I love the promise in scripture. It says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, if they'll come to me, if they'll seek me first, if they'll turn from their sin, basically God says this, this is what I'm going to do. He says, not only am I going to forgive your sin, I'm going to heal your land. And how many of you know that we need some healing in our land? Not only in America, not only in the Treasure Valley, in our city, in our community, and around the world, but we need it in our homes. We need it in our families. We need it in every area of our life. And that promise stands not only physically as a land, but physically and spiritually as a land in our own home, and our own heart. God wants to bring healing. So what we do two times a year, we start at the beginning of the year in January with prayer and fasting. And so in August, we're going to do some prayer and feasting, everybody. You know what I'm saying? Right? You can fast if you want to. God bless you. You are amazing. You get a star on your Christian chart. Okay? But some of us are going to be eating some food this go around. But uh, I kid. But here's the thing. What does this look like? It's very simple. I know we're in a kind of this social distancing type of thing. We've been doing this at our office. Um, We're actually going to be doing this online this year. So today is day one. We did this as a team this morning. But day two, starting tomorrow, if you're not following us at One Life Idaho, that's at One Life Idaho at Facebook or Instagram, you'll miss out. Every day, sometime around 7 or 8 a.m. in the morning, we'll have a little blip of kind of like a prayer focus of the day. And I want to encourage you. Prayer used to intimidate the fire out of me. It's like, because I would hear a pastor like me pray. I'm like, there ain't no way I can talk to God like that, you know? And can I just tell you what prayer is? It's a simple conversation. That's all it is. It could be as simple as, God, I need you today because I got a lot going on and I don't even know what I need to do. Will you help me? Like, that's a prayer. And that's very real, honest. And I'm telling you, God loves that. And so that's prayer. And so I just want to encourage you over the next 21 days. It doesn't have to be in the morning, but at some point, follow us on social, click it, watch the little video, and just say a quick little prayer with us. And we're going to have different prayer focuses throughout the day. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you need more information on what that looks like, click on the image that looks just like this at olc.church, and you'll get a lot more information on that. All right, you guys, very excited today. We are a note-taking church, everyone. That means we like to take notes. Now, our notes aren't in your handout anymore. They're actually online. And I want to encourage you to go to olc.church, click on the button that says Message Notes. If you'll do that from every smartphone, dumb phone, whatever device you have, 
right? Go to olc.church, click the button that says message notes, and you'll have an opportunity to follow along, fill in the blank. You can email those notes to yourself, and those are a great tool and resource to have throughout the week. But really honored today. I'm really fired up today because I've not only do we have a special guest, but we have a special family member. He is an overseer of One Life Church. He is a singer. He is a songwriter. He actually wrote the song we sang this morning called Who is Like the Lord. How many of y'all like that song? Yeah. He's written other songs that have been published and gone around the world. Um, But he is my best friend. I've known him since I was seven and eight years old when we met in an apartment complex in Birmingham, Alabama. So he knows all the bad, the good, the ugly. You know what I'm saying? He knew me before Jesus, and he knew me after Jesus. We traveled a long road together. Um, He's also an incredible pastor. Uh, He's on staff at uh, my home church, Church of the Highlands. Church of the Highlands also has a college called Highlands College where he is an executive director among many executive directors, but he is an executive director specifically for their evening college program of just 700 students, everybody. You know, no, no small task, right? And it's a ministry training program that sends out ministers around the world, and I'm telling you, it's amazing. So you're in for a treat this morning to hear not only from my best friend, from our, one of our overseers, but just an incredible man of God. And so would you do me the honor this morning? God, God's word says, show honor where honors do." there's honor in this man. I would not be here on this platform without this brother in Christ. Will you stand to your feet all across the room? Put your hands together. Show some love for Pastor Justin Bradshaw, everybody. One Life Church. How are you this morning? Man, it started great for sure. I really enjoy getting to worship with you guys and I do, I do, I do have all the secrets on Pastor Rhett. So those who are visiting, we're going to go ahead and let you get an inside look into what you're checking out. Those who are here, you, some of this you already know. Um, but it's so great to be here. I just want to send greetings first from my wife back home in Birmingham, Alabama. We have four boys, um, 11, 9, 5, and 3. My oldest is actually here with me. Would you help me welcome my oldest son, Dax? Put your hand in the air right there. Dax. That's my boy. I'm so proud of him, and I love getting to travel with him. We've been having such a a great time. My best friend is Rhett. His best friend is Max. I mean, so it's funny, Dax and Max. We didn't plan this, but it's funny how it worked out. And so, um, but yeah, so I will tell you a little bit about how I got to know Pastor Rhett. When we were seven and eight years old, I was in my apartment complex. We lived in the apartments, and You know, you have these big dumpsters, and you have these wooden fences that kind of surround them, and I guess they help protect them. I don't know. But I would have these ninja throwing stars. Anybody ever had a throwing star? I had my ninja throwing star, and I would just throw it at at the garbage. And if you threw it right, it would stick in that wood, you know, and you felt like a ninja. I mean, it was really cool. So what I love about the mask right now, it's my closest chance to feel like a ninja, so... (laughs) I told my wife, if I'm going to wear a mask, it needs to look like a ninja, because this is my chance to finally become a ninja or a G.I. Joe character. And so I saw this uh, other kid coming, riding his bike beside me, and I looked at him. He got off his bike. I said, hey, you want to throw this? He said, yeah. And he took a ninja star. He threw it. And me and Rhett Barden have been together ever since then, 35 years later. Who knew what was about to happen when we threw that ninja star? (laughs) <laughs> you know, some other things, Rhett is an innovator. 
You guys, you get to see it with this church. It's really, really cool. One day he called me over. We go to his apartment. And he learned that if you take these big, hefty glad bags, that if you cut them down the side, you then can separate them. And you've now got this long sheet. So what we would do is I came over one day and he was, um, I don't know how he got it up there, but he was getting it to his ceiling. And what he told me is we're going to make a haunted house. Now, now I'm not saying I condone haunted houses. Maybe it's more of a confession. But we were making these haunted houses and he learned how to put these bags. And then if you put the strobe lights, it made all this reflection and it kind of had this appearance of movement going on. And so we would actually have some kids around the apartment and some of our friends, they would come through and we would charge them like 50 cents to actually come through it. So Red is also an entrepreneur. And then also, he found a way to take this old Honda, blue paint, old rugged car when he turned 16. And he had this thing, I mean, converted into like modded out, awesome car. He turned it in. It was jet black, tinted windows, the best sound system you could imagine. I mean, just thumping. I mean, you, you know, when you hear that going down the street, that was, that was a wreck. And he put the purple lights under, which I think those are kind of coming back now, aren't they? The lights under the car. But he had the purple lights under, and he would cruise to the Taco Bell in town because that's where the other kids with lights under their cars would hang out. And and if you're from Birmingham, Alabama, your vacation spot is Panama City Beach. And so I'll never forget when we were 16 and 15, and we were able to have permission with my dad. He took us on vacation. Rhett was a part of the members, basically a member of the family, so he'd come with us. Like if I got grounded, my dad would also ground Rhett. And Rhett, and Rhett just knew to say, yes, sir. So he would kind of fall in line with the same punishments. But we, we went to Panama City Beach, and we would just cruise up and down that strip with our blue lights, I mean, our purple lights and our loud music. And we just thought we were the coolest guys that there was. So there's a little bit of history there with Rhett. And I'm so glad to give you more after the service. Just act like I'm praying for you, but I will let you in (laughs) on all this stuff. The cool thing is that a couple of months later after that trip, we went back down to the beach, cruising the same strip in the same car, This time, we were literally weeping uh, for souls because it was a couple of months before that we had an encounter of Jesus. We had this amazing encounter with his presence, and it changed our life. And our whole agenda in life changed. And now we started seeing these other teenagers doing the, the lifestyle they were doing, and we just began to just, oh, we wanted them to discover the joy that we had experienced by surrendering the life that we were actually living because we had discovered this treasure, this love, this grace of God, and it impacted our life, and it changed us. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk with the series of Choose Joy, of joy, the joy of surrender. And I want to read a verse to you because there is this mindset with surrender that it doesn't sound very fun. I mean, it doesn't even sound fun as I say it right now. But there's joy that comes with it. And to take this theme verse in Isaiah 61.3, I'm actually going to read this a couple of times to you, but, but, but read it with me or look at the screen with me. It says, and, and everybody knows the backstory for the most part. If you don't, this is actually 
written way in the past of history. And here comes Jesus onto the scene and in the temple, and he's reading through this passage. And he actually fulfills prophecy in the reading. He actually tells the people in the room, I have just fulfilled the reading of this. It was all prophesying him and what he's going to be bringing to us. And it says, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I love that verse, and I know you've spent some time with it the past few weeks. But let's read it again in a different way. This is a way I had never seen this before. To give. Let's highlight that word, give. Them beauty for ashes. To give them the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Do you see what's happening there? There's actually this delivery that, that's taking place, that, that we're doing this and watch what ends up coming. So this first blank for this note-taking church that I have for you is to have joy. There is an exchange that has to happen. And we benefit every time. Like, we benefit from this exchange. And unfortunately, there's this false perception that says we should play it safe and hold on to everything so tightly. But the truth is, there's joy on the other side of surrender. That's the picture that I hope is what's conveyed to you today. Let's pray, and then we're going to get started. Father God, we love you so much, and we thank you for this opportunity. God, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to speak to your church in Nampa, Idaho, that the church is mobilized, and it is changing this entire world. God, I praise it as they come here to learn more about you, that they would discover the joy that comes when we surrender what we think we need and take on what you have for us. God, my prayer is that as they take the next few minutes, whatever it is, God, that you've placed it in their heart and they feel this, just a sense of the Holy Spirit saying, just let it go. Breathe over these words that they would let it go. Lord, these false identities that have been put on us, the person in this room who has these false expectations of how they're supposed to do life because of what people are expecting from them, Lord, that they would just be able to let it go and surrender it at your feet, Jesus, only to discover the fullness of your joy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You know, growing up, I loved amusement parks. Disney, Six Flags, you name it. I love, just like everybody in this room, at some point you went to it and you probably just absolutely love going to the amusement park. I mean, we would hit the ground running. Me and my friends, anytime I say friends, by the way, go ahead and include Brett in this discussion because he was with me every step of the way. And we would run around the park and we're just hyped up, ready to go ride these rides and see what it's going to be. There was a dilemma, though, that I felt because I was scared to death of roller coasters. So I liked a lot of big rides, but I was scared 
of roller coasters. So I would do my best to be my persuasive self and tell my friends, like, ooh, let's go hit these rides first, hoping we would have such a great time that they would forget about roller coasters. But how many of you know you can only hold people off so long with bumper cars and swings? (laughs) You know? Eventually, we made our way to the roller coaster line, and every time we went running, excited to go get on the roller coaster, and I'm in the line with my buddies, and we're talking the big talk, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm scared. We finally get up to the line, and I'm always thinking to myself, is this the time I'm going to do it? And every time I didn't, my buddies would get on, and I'm that guy who's in the line that just kind of scoots to the side, and you make up something like, you know, I got to go down, and oh, something came up, you know, and I got to go down. I'm not scared, anybody. I just got to go down, but I would skip out. My friends would do the rides. That was the same story as we would take these roller coasters. The worst part of the day wasn't actually waiting in line for them. Honestly, the worst part of the day was having to hear their stories about how awesome all these rides were, Because I actually didn't jump in to try to discover that for myself. I had to listen to their war stories, and it kind of made the trip a little miserable for the person who's not willing to step out. And so I want to take you to this passage in Mark 10, 17 through 22, the story of the rich young ruler. I find a lot of um, commonality between what I just shared with this. Now, as he was going out on the road... Watch these words. One came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Let's go on. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. You know the commandments. Obviously, by the way, Jesus knew who he was. He just wanted to make sure the person coming to him knew who he really was, which I don't really think he did. He said, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother, it goes on to say, and he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth, then Jesus looking at him, I love this word, he loved him. I just want to highlight that because we know that Jesus loves all the children of the world, right? We, We sing the song. I want to take just a little step out here that it actually said that he loved him. I think there was a little something there that he was seeing a potential that he had for this rich young ruler. And he was excited for what he could potentially do with what God had placed in his life. So he loved him. There was something about him. And he said to him, one thing you lack, one thing you lack, go your way. So he gave him an action step right there. Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you're going to have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and what does he say? Follow me. me. I love the invitation that he gave him. Remember, he came to the scene running, right? So he's pumped. It's about to happen. Everything he wanted to happen when he ran to the scene, he just got the invitation to follow Jesus and run with that entourage that our Lord Jesus had. And Are we about to see that he jumped into this and he sold everything he had and we hear great things about him? Well, let's see. His response, but he was sad at his word and went away sorrowful. 
for he had great possessions. But I thought today's message was about joy and how there's joy in the surrender. It's, yeah, there is, but it wasn't for that guy. His joy was in his great possessions. He found his joy. Temporary, right? But he found his joy. The thought of losing them was to take away his very identity and reason for living. He hit the scene excited. He was just like me at a theme park. He was ready to roll. He got the invitation that he was looking for. But in the end, he backed out. Like he went away sorrowful. He never took the step. I can imagine he only had to listen to all the great stories of the disciples later. He had a false perception of what surrender even really was. And I can't help but take this creative liberty to think, what was on the other side of his surrender? Like, could it be that we could actually be reading about his epistles to the church in the Word of God? Like, we'll never know. Like, Paul, Paul responded when God called him to everything. He gave up everything. Could we have been maybe reading his book of revelations and maybe God chose to reveal it to him? Who knows? We can only speculate because he did not give up what he was supposed to give up to actually follow Jesus. But Jesus met him at his issue, and that was his love of wealth. Jesus does the same thing with us. He meets us all at our hangups. What's that one thing that if you surrendered, potentially, could result in the greatest joy you could ever imagine? That's not a wealth thing for everybody. For some it is. You know, I don't know your circumstance. That might be these anxieties you have on the job. The fear of uncertainty. We hear that word a lot. The unrealistic expectations that people place on you and you feel like you got to be this people pleaser or to the family you feel this way or to your work you feel this way and you just got to surrender what it is what is it that if you surrendered today this joy this relief of like oh my goodness I'm letting go of all this but what I'm getting is far greater value Psalm 89 15 through 16 it says on the screen Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. See, they're already recognized. There's people who, they, they know the joyful sound. They know where true joy comes from. They walk, O oh Lord, in the light of your countenance, in your name. By the way, there it is. It's all at his name. They rejoice all day long, and in your righteousness, they are exalted. So they actually getting exalted. They get exalted out of this. We get exalted out of our surrender. We do it because we trust God completely. But we are the ones who actually get this benefit. It seems so backward. It's like, God, I thought it was for you. It is. But God's so sovereign and awesome that it turns for our good always. There's nothing we can do to get away from his awesomeness. His joy is ready to be had no matter our circumstance. So this sounds great. You've inspired us, Justin. But how? How do we do this? Give us some action steps to this. Let me give you three things. First, here's your blank. Desire God. Desire God. Luke 7, 37 through 38. 
And behold, a woman in the city who is a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. You already see the setup here. She's weeping. There is so much desire that she has. There's something internally that she's recognizing. She's already approaching this with weeping. It goes on to say, And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. So she came into this with such great desire. Could it be because she recognized how great her sin was? In fact, it is. It's what Jesus actually says in verse 47. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. So all these sins, all this that she had in her life, Jesus was here to forgive her, but she came because she recognized so much is on her. And I think what we can get messed up by is this false sense of, we really, I wasn't that bad in the first place. And so I don't really have that much to give up in the first place. So we kind of approach it if we don't watch out. I'm guilty of it. I I approach it in the mindset of like, I love you, God. But I, I feel like I find myself like that Pharisee in the Bible that's like, there's the person over here just weeping, confessing their sins to God, and I'm like, Lord, thank you that I'm not like them. (laughs) And I feel like that guy sometimes when I need to have this desperation because I'm lost without Jesus. I need to have this desire always, no matter how great I might think I am, because if I don't, I'm going to miss out on this setup for when surrender comes. I'm not going to be ready to surrender it because I might think that I kind of got it covered from here. I don't want to give up what I have because I really don't feel that great of need right now. I'm doing really, really good, Lord, because something else has captured my heart. It's so important that we desire God in everything Next, number two, is trust God. The next blank is trust God. Luke 21, one through four, it says, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he also, and saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. We'll continue here. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance put in their offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, what does it say? Put in all. She put in everything that she had. She already recognized how much she also needed God. You're starting to see this current theme that's going on right now. The people who had so much, they really didn't see their need for God. They actually probably learned that trust isn't it's, it's, kinda, it's hard to trust God when you feel like you can take care of everything yourself. We're all having, if we don't watch out, a false sense of security anyway. We've gotten to experience that in society right now. I mean, just like that, if your hope is in the stocks, they can plummet just by one false word out there. I mean, it's so, it, it really is, it's humorous, I'm sure, to the Lord. Really, our security is not as strong as, as, as we, we think it is. So aren't we really all in this great need that, God, we need? Like we, we, If we trust in you, you are the only sure, you're the only sure value of all this. Because she recognized how nothing she was and how nothing she had, 
how empty. She just decided, I've got nothing to lose. I'm giving it all. And can I submit to you today, if we can walk in the same way, whether it's wealth that is great, whether it's a job that's amazing, whether you've got the best friend group there is and you might be the in crowd, what if we approached every day with this is all great and you know what, this is icing, but the fact is it all comes from the Lord. Everything good comes from the Lord. So whether I have this, whether I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm going to trust God with everything in my life. And I'm telling you, that aligns you for surrender because your source is always there waiting for you. And then the third one is move toward God. Move toward God. It says in Matthew 16, 24 through 25, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Do you see that? Let him deny himself and take, deny, take. There's a common thread we keep getting to see that there's this constant exchange that has to happen. We don't just wait on God to come. He's already put the first move out, by the way, when he sent Jesus. I mean, no greater gift we could have than that. Thank you, Jesus. But through our life, whether it's that first time, by the way, and we'll have that moment in a little while, or it's a continuation of your journey, there's constant exchanges. So he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I find that such an interesting statement anyway. Have you ever held on to something so tight you end up losing it anyway? You know, it's like nothing was as secure as we thought. The secret is, and so many of you know this, when we surrender, we end up discovering the greatest thing was waiting on this other side anyway. This is our last blank. Or actually, before I get to that, the exchange. The exchange sets joy into motion. It's the exchange that you will, you're gonna, you're gonna experience this joy that, that, that it just passes all understanding. But it can't happen until you take that step because faith is everything. Without faith, it's actually impossible to please God, the Bible says. So faith, it's got, there's gotta be a step where you're gonna put your desire, your trust, and your movement, your efforts towards God. In the last blank, to sum it all up, the joy of surrender comes by stepping out. You know, I told you that I went to the theme parks and kind of had an average time. It was fun for me, but boy, I had no clue. I had no clue how good it could have been. For two or three years, I repeated the same story that I told you at the beginning of my messages. And I remember finally, your pastor in this room was <laughs> part of the reasons for this, but I waited in line and Rhett gave me just enough of that unction and encouragement to say, just get on the roller coaster. And Rhett jumped in the front cart, which I was not going to do. <laughs> but I remember Rhett's dad was with us, and I jumped in the second cart with Rhett's dad and me. And I'm going up this roller coaster. And you know that click, 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 as you get higher. And it's just like, when's this clicking going to end? <laughs> 
And when we get to the top, and can I be honest, I'm terrified. I'm, I'm just absolutely fearful. We get to the top, boom, it goes downhill. And you know that moment in life where you're just like screaming in fear, and then it turns into that crazy, goofy smile, and you're like, ah, oh my God, this is awesome. But you're holding on for dear life, but yet you're done, and you're like, what a rush. And it's like, let's go do it again. And now I'm the new guy who's on fire for the theme park, and now my friends are having to keep up with me because I want to hit every roller coaster I have wasted my life not getting on, but I overcame. And that's been the case for everything in my life where fear was holding me back. Everything. And nothing's changed. Recently, I did make a move. I've been in ministry now for um, a long time. I've been in ministry, but full-time at my church for the past 12 years. And recently, I took this step of taking on this college that, that Pastor Rhett was talking about. And all I know is I was compelled to go. I had been with the worship ministries for so long, and it was comfortable. I had a 1,000 people that I was getting to speak into to help us pull off all these services at all these different locations. And on paper, it was awesome. But when you know that God is saying there's a time to, to step in, and I was compelled, took the step. And the joy that I've experienced since then, who knew all this stuff was gonna happen in our life, by the way, with COVID, all the different things. I have felt more purpose trying to help people navigate life and how they're going to actually work through job tough situations, but yet feeling a call to ministry, how to work their jobs, still attend this college. It's been so life-giving. But here's also what I've learned. It's just a setup for a future surrender that's going to be happening again. Because it's the journey that we live in. Because the joy of surrender comes by stepping out. God has called everyone in here to live a surrendered life. But what we get in exchange is joy inexpressible and full of glory, it says in 1 Peter 1.8. I'd like to ask everyone in here just to bow your head, close your eyes. I think, well, I know. I know there's so many different categories of people who are in here because we are all wired specifically the way that God put it um, for his purpose and his glory. Everyone in here has a purpose and a plan. And there are those who maybe your first step is making Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never done that. That is the most important step, by the way, to get this journey started. There's no greater decision that you'll make than to say, Lord Jesus, I do. I surrender my life to you. Just like me and Rhett riding down the strip of Panama City, surrendered and filled with joy. He will take away the insecurities, the part of you that felt less than when you take up the cross and you understand what Jesus has filled you with so much purpose. There's nothing greater. There's also some of you in here right now and with life in different situations, you know what it is, your heart, the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It might be your job. It might be casting these burdens of anxiety that's just all over your life right now. You just don't know what's gonna go on at work. Maybe you feel this career change. Maybe it's just to be a better parent and you've got to 
you've got to surrender a, a pride or an arrogance and just kind of come and just undo some things in the name of Jesus and say, here, I want to get better. Whatever it is, it takes that first step. And I'm going to pray for both of those groups. But first of all, if that's you and you've never made Jesus the, the true Lord of your life, where you surrender it all and lay it at the feet of Jesus and you've never been able to experience that joy that waits on the other side of surrender. If that's you and nobody looking around, would you just put your hand in the air? And we want to pray for you. Amen. Okay, you can put your hand down. And then this second group, I'm not going to have you raise your hands on this, but just keep it in your spirit and just, just say to God right now, I surrender. Whatever that is, I surrender. This is the desire we're talking about. And then the trust, you're building up these two, but when you walk out these doors, it's actually taking the movement to step into the surrender. Let me pray for you. Lord, first of all, for the ones who just gave their heart to you and truly surrendered to make the, the confession that I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross, that you rose again. Lord, that you're at the right hand of the Father right now, that your Holy Spirit lives inside of me, that I'll spend my eternity with you, but not just an eternity with you in heaven, Lord, but this life starts now, that I will have a life and life more abundantly that I'll have a surrendered life where I experience more fulfillment of joy than I could have ever imagined. Just say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. No greater prayer than that. And Lord, for all the others who've made that next step to finally hand over what, what it is, God, and you know, whatever it is, that they've been holding on to for so long and you want to grow them as your children. You, you want to, just like trees planted by the water, a symbol of strength. You want to develop strength in this house today. That they would discover the joy that comes from surrender. When the world would actually say, no, 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 no. You got to gain. You got to build your own platform to get joy. God, that we would recognize through the discernment of your Holy Spirit that that is a lie and that true joy comes and only comes through the presence of Jesus Christ. And we love you, God. We worship you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, can we just clap our hands for those who gave their heart to Jesus? Those who have decided to take that next step, amen. Awesome.